God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for the burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of his journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. Genesis 22, 1 through 8. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 5. May God bless the reading of his word. Lord, hallelujah. God is a mighty and awesome God. Welcome once again to MBT. If you were here last week, we talked about that there is a place in which there is tension. And that tension exists in trying to live two lives. Trying to be one way here and one way out there. One way at your job and one way here. Trying to uh, juggle the hacks or wear the max that we try to wear while we're trying to still please people. See, there's a tension that exists in you trying to live two lives. God is calling us to be a people of integrity. This oneness must exist in our lives because the blessing doesn't lie in living in this place of tension. It lies in you crossing over and trusting God. Too many of us have that tension because we're still trusting in our things. We're still holding on to things. Some of us are holding on to things even at the expense of drowning. That, that, that our relationships are floundering, but we're still holding on to it. That, that, that there are things in our lives that are weighing us down, but, but because we hold on to them, we can't give God our very best. And in return, we can't get God's best because our hearts are divided. So, of course, there's a tension that's going to exist there because you can't make up your mind. We call those people fence dwellers. Those people who can't decide which way they're going to go or how they're going to live or what they're going to do. So, of course, there's a tension and it always comes out when there's pressure in our lives because we can't decide, am I going to trust God fully? And let me just tell you something. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Now, I know in your mind and where we come from, we, we've heard of this punishing God and this invisible God that we can't see. But listen, if you would just take a leap of faith and just trust in this God who for a very long time has been whispering to you, come on, let go of that. Let that be. Come with me. So if you were here last week, that's what you heard. This week, we're going to be talking about those things we do hold on to. Those things that we, you know, uh, like little children, how fingers literally have to be pried off so that we can let them go. And, and there's a story in the Bible that talks about this. It's found in Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation with the help of my trusty glasses. 
insert inside your bulletin so that if you can read along with me, I will gladly appreciate that. At the same time, there should be an area where you can put notes. Amen? I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 22. I want to give you a little bit of history on the person that we'll be looking at today. His name is Abraham. It's a wonderful thing to, when you read the story and let the the, the story unfold before you, when you read the Bible and you begin to see God's hand moving across an individual's life. It's an awesome thing to realize that the same God of that era is the same God today. And God wants to move across your life in a very special way. But Abraham was considered a friend of God. And as I looked at that, I said, what would make me a friend of God? But what would make me a friend of God? And I found that in Abraham's case, it was just one word that we seem to have a difficult time with. It's obedience. Abraham obeyed God. When God told him to get up and move and live, you know, the, the conditions that he was in, it was very nice, it was very comfortable. Anytime God asked somebody to move out of their comfort zone, you know, we put up a fight. But God's not here to make you comfortable. He's here to make you more like Christ. And as you look at the story and you see what Jesus had to go through, listen, we, we finished a series just recently on growth. And I think the most difficult message that Pastor Edmund had to preach was that God wants to grow you through suffering. Nobody wanted to hear that. That's why we closed the doors the minute he started. It's important that we understand that suffering begins to do something. There's a difference in in your suffering. If you suffer, you know, we have a choice in our response, our attitude in difficult times. We're either going to be beneath those times or above those times. We're going to allow God to be God by asking not a question of why with an attitude, because why me? Or we can ask the question of God, what are you doing in my life? What is it that you're doing through this situation? What is it that you're doing by putting this person alongside me in the same ministry? Can I get an amen? amen. God is working things out in your life. Listen, the church would be okay if we weren't here. It'd be empty. You ever come in here when this place is empty? No problems. The chairs don't bother the chairs. The rug don't get up and say anything to the chair. The drum don't do anything. It's when we start coming together, and that's why it's so important that we live in this tension because we fail to trust God fully with all our lives. And Abraham was a friend of God because he trusted God and he obeyed God. And in the process, God made him a promise that he was going to be a father of many nations. And because of Abraham, we are blessed today. We're here. We're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ because God made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And that's really hard to grasp because Abraham was advanced in age and so was Sarah. In fact, it was Sarah who laughed when she heard this wonderful news that after all her reproductive uh, process was done with, that she was going to give birth. She laughed. And of course, Isaac means laughter. And they named the son and becomes Isaac means laughter. But she laughed because she couldn't believe. Now listen to me. Sarah was advanced in age. And she couldn't believe it because it was something that was impossible. Kind of like your recovery. There are some people here in recovery who someone has told you, you're never going to be able to get past that. You're going to continue to struggle for the rest of your life. Let me tell you something. 
Sarah gave birth. Because it wasn't something that she was going to do. It was something that God was going to do through her. And let me tell you something else. God is going to do something miraculously and impossible in your life. He's going to continue to get you through one day at a time. As you trust God and get off the fence and cross over and say, I'm going to trust you, God, with my life. I'm going to trust you in my relationship. I'm going to trust you in my finances. I'm going to trust you in every area of my life. Why? Because he could be trusted. He is not man that he would lie. You see, sometimes we equate our heavenly father with our earthly father. The one who left us waiting at graduation. The one who didn't show up on Friday. He said he was going to take you to the park and take you to the movies and then show up. And sometimes, you know, in our finite mind, we, we equate our Heavenly Father with God Almighty. And it's amazing because we suffer for it. God can be trusted. And Abraham received this news and, and, and you know, to him it must have been an amazement too. That, that he was going to have a son, that he was going to be blessed at the age that he was advanced in. And God said, this time next year when I come back, your wife's going to be ready to have a child. And Abraham entertained uh, those who visited the angels who came. And, and of course, this son that he long awaited for, he must have watched his wife begin to balloon. I was excited when my wife began to grow and the life that was growing in her. I began to speak to my son in his womb. I began to prepare. We painted his room. We put clouds in the sky. I put stars that would shine at night. We bought the crib. We were just all pumped up, ready. So I could imagine Abraham was feeling, and I'm almost certain that in his mind he was thinking, this is it for me. I'm not going to have no more kids. I'm not going to do anything else after this. And he prepared for this. And this child was born, and he must have watched them grow and run around and have a good time. You know, you know when you watch the kids in the park? You know, you, you're watching them from a distance, but you're ready to spring up at a moment to run to that rescue. They fall down and get scraped up. You kiss their boobs and you put them back up there. This was Abraham's experience as he watched his son grow. And he began to remember the promise that God made. He says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to make your father many nations. And it's here that we start to read now. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, and it says, So time later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you now. I need to stop there for a moment. My son? A burnt offering? What happened to this promise? What happened that you were going to look out for me and make me a father of many nations? Now, now, understand this. God was not into human sacrifices. The, the religions around that time, the pagans, they were into that. But there's something going on here that you have to see. Because the title of this message is, What Are You Holding On To? That's keeping you from God's blessing. Well, what relationship are you trying still to revive? It's over. 
It's done. God has now called you to a new place. You shouldn't live in this tension no more. You shouldn't be concerned. Is he going to marry me, not marry me? Is he going to be here, not be here? Is she going to love me, not love me? You should eventually cross over and say, I'm going to trust God with everything in my life. Not only that, but if you're here and God is tugging your heart in a particular way and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you shouldn't settle for anything else but the best. Burnt offering. My son? Wouldn't you question God at that moment? Wouldn't you say, like, God, what's up with you? Are you confused? Maybe Abraham down the block from Mesopotamia? Maybe that guy you're talking to? But God doesn't make mistakes. He's speaking directly to you today. He's saying, I need you to give that up. I need you to sacrifice that thing that you've been clinging on to for a long time. For some of us, it's still the desire, the obsession. For some of us, it's our lust. For some of us, it's our finances. For some of us, it's the very things that we've asked God to bless us with. The car, the house, the nice job. The very thing that we're putting before God. He's saying you're holding on to that too tight. You're clinging to it so much so that you're drowning and you're still holding on to it. And he goes on and he has this conversation with Abraham. And I don't know because the Bible doesn't clearly tell us. So we don't want to speculate. I just want you to feel the emotion of having your son born, having your son be, you know, around. And then all of a sudden God himself who allowed you to experience this says, I'm going to take this from you. In my own life, I've had some relationships early on in my walk. In which all I had to do was make a phone call. I mean, first, second year in the Lord, all I got to do is call up, man, I need X amount of money, I need this, I need that, which in half an hour, I have it. So my reliance wasn't totally on God, it was on these individuals that I loved dearly and loved me dearly, and, and I had to wrestle with that as I began to read the Word of God, that my reliance had to be on God and God only. Those people are no longer with me. They're gone. And I believe the way things happen is for a reason because every time that we face difficult times, we're either going to trust God or trust the things that we have or the people in our lives. Now, I've read somewhere that man is going to fail me. That man is frail. He's got a bunch of character defects. You know, he's going to mess up. He's going to lie. And because we place this unwarranted expectations on people, we get disappointed. We set ourselves up for that. But I've learned in my own walk and relying on these people that they were limited in what they can do. And as I began to trust God more and more, I found that the windows of heaven were opened up to me, that resources that I didn't realize I had access to, I began to have access to. And they were more of a sense of a spiritual access. Not so much physical, because I wasn't seeking that anymore. I was seeking this spiritual thing. I, was, I wanted to get closer to God. I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to trust him more. So every single moment that I began to go through something, I trusted more in God and leaned more on God. Not on my understanding, not what I could figure out, not my bag of tricks, not the people I knew. I began to trust God more and listen to me. I threw myself into the deep end of the pool. God was there. And he's still 
there. God wants to do something miraculous in your life, but as long as you're living in the tension, as long as you're holding on to those things that you're holding on to so tightly that to the point where you're almost at the very edge of idolatry. Where you're making that son, that husband, that wife, that car, your ability to think two steps ahead. You're making that your idol. You're leaning on that more. You're clinging to that more. And Abraham was wealthy. He was well advanced. He was a rancher. He he didn't need God's help. Or so we think. Because oftentimes when we don't know God and we're rolling fine, we think, man, I did this on my own. Don't we? We make these assumptions that we did it on our own. Well, Well, who gave you the mind to think and the hands and the feet? Who provided those things for you? Who who provided the environment that you grew up in and that you had someone to look out for you? That wasn't you. You couldn't arrange that. God arranged it. And now you come to a place where there's this tension and you're still holding on to some things and some people and God is saying, the reason you're struggling with me is because you're still holding on to that. And God is saying, let go. Bring it to me. Amen? He goes on to say, The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then... Listen to this. Maybe you need to underline this. Then we will come right back. I looked at that. And I said, what's going on here? God is asking you to sacrifice it. Yet he tells his servants, wait for us here. We'll be back. He goes on to say, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried a fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? I love these words. God will provide. I'll read it again. Because maybe you're at a place where you need God's provision. Maybe there's something going on in your life where you've been waiting for a little bit and a little bit has turned into a long time. And and you're getting a little angsty and you're living in this tension whether you can trust God or you need to revert back to the old ways and what you knew best, what you thought was the way. And these words ring true in my life and I pray that they will ring true in your life. God will provide. God will make a way where there seems to be none. God would make sure that you lack nothing that you need. Now now hear me, nothing that you need. There are some things we want. And listen to me, everything that looks good is not good for you. We know a lot of people, not in this church, who look good on the outside but are very shallow on the inside. We need to be a people of substance. We need to make Jesus the very essence of our everything. 
And if Christ dwells in you, then you have to understand that God himself will provide. Yahweh Yireh, which is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. On his mountain, he will provide. And then the question lies, who will climb his mountain? Which one of us will climb to that place? It talks about having clean hands and a pure heart. It talks about letting go of those things that are holding you and weighing you down, that are causing attention because you're saying, I can't let go. I've been in this relationship for 10 years. Forget about the fact that you've probably gone through a really rough time and you see no light at the end of the tunnel. And listen, we're very big in this place that when you are confronted with the truth, a truth that you cannot deny, you must make an adjustment. And the adjustment may be saying bye-bye to some people, not visiting some places, letting go of some things. If you do that, I'm almost certain that God will provide the very best for you. And you don't have to settle. He goes on to this place where, where, where he begins to prepare the altar. And, and, and he lays his son on it and, 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 you know, he gets ready with his knife to, to you know, I think about this. I mean, and I, and I wish that you would look at it like, man, you mean that I don't know where my son is right now. He should be here. But if I was to put him on the altar, tie him down, I mean, he'd be fighting me every minute. I mean, I asked him to throw out the garbage and it's, you know what I'm saying? So for me to take him, lay him down and say, yo, Chris, lay down here. Let me tie you up, you know. Let me light a fire, you know, just lay there. I would find that very hard. He would fight me tooth and nail. But the obedience of Abraham seems to have transferred into his son. His son is trusting his father. He's saying, Pop, whatever it is, you say God will provide. God will provide. Maybe this is a dry run. Maybe you're going through a rehearsal with me. I don't know. But you said God will provide. So I'm going to trust you. And at the moment, the Bible says where he lifts up his hand with knife to thrust it into his son, God calls out and says, oh, Abraham. You ain't got to do that. And I know you wouldn't hold back anything from me. Can God say that about you? Can God say that you would not hold back anything that he asks you for? That if he asks you to stop being with that person because it's hurting you and it's causing you to live in this tension, that you would gladly let go. And that if you would just trust him in your finances and begin to realize that everything belongs to God and that you can't take it with you, that you will become more of a blessing and a giver than a taker. And maybe right now, you're, you know, you're at the pinnacle of your career and, and things are running smoothly. And, and somehow there's no room in your life for God right now, except for maybe the two minute before you go to sleep and the one minute before you drink your coffee in the morning. God is asking, what is it you're holding on to? that you need to put at the altar today. 
Because let me tell you something, a heart divided, a mind that doubts doesn't receive anything from God. If your heart is divided, God is saying in Deuteronomy 6.5, he wants all of you, all of you. For some of us who are in ministry, we get very territorial. We think that it belongs to us and there's no input from anybody else. And we're holding on to so tightly that you're dragging it down and you don't want to let it go. It doesn't belong to you. The local church has made it possible for you to exercise the gifts that God has given you. Why would you hold on to it as if it's yours? It belongs to God and maybe you need to relinquish that. You know, because I got to keep the focus on me, somebody told me. I'm a control freak. I'm the only one in this church like that. Okay? So I'm glad that I'm around you guys to help me in this process. But we need to be able to let go of these things, to, to, to hold things loosely, to not cling to things because they, it doesn't belong to us. When you begin to read the word of God, you realize that your life is not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. He gave you this gift and your gift back to him is what you do with it. So for you to hold on to things in a way that now he's got to ask you, he's got to say, hey, would you let go of that? Would you stop living in this tension and trust me in every area of your life? Trust me. Allow me to be God. Allow me to take care of your very needs. Some of us are still struggling with our recovery. Some of us are, are, are struggling, you know, to the point where we're starting to compromise and give in a little bit at a time, setting ourselves up for relapse. And it's important that we understand when you're living in this tension where you feel like you can't do it because you're trusting rather in things than in God, then sure you're going to struggle. And I was so glad when I thumbed through the scriptures that I found someone who struggled too. And it was Paul. Remember last week he said, man, those things I try to do, I just can't get to doing them. But he gave us a response. He just didn't leave us there. He says, man, because of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, you can, you'll be able to. But are you willing to let go? Are you willing to sacrifice it to God? Are you willing to give it to him? I don't know. That's a question you're going to have to answer. You're going to have to answer that question. Are you going to continue to give God 75% of your life? Is that what you're going to continue to do? What's in your heart? What nestles in your heart today? What are you thinking about right now? Where is God on the list of priorities in your life? Because I got to tell you, it's the reason why you're struggling. See, I welcome the struggles in my life today. Because I'm in Christ. And I get excited about how he's going to get me out of it. What's he going to do? What's his next move? So I try to stay close so that when he makes that move, boom, I'm in there. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that opportunity to change. And I think I said it Wednesday. I said, you know, we let opportunity pass by because it comes in overalls and it looks like work. So nobody wants to work. We see this opportunity and nobody wants to work. 
Nobody wants to put the work in. Listen, your marriage is not going to get better unless you put in the work. Your relationship with your mom, your pop, your neighbors that play the loud music are not going to get better unless you put in the work. But you're still clinging to your old ways. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pound down that door. They're going to have to open up. They're going to have to shut their music off. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put some ketchup on that door. We start reverting to the old ways, the, the mean in us, the stinking thinking, and we forget that that's not trusting God. That's not getting off the fence. That's not giving God what he's asking you to give up. God wants all of you. Think about it for a moment. Are you willing to get off the fence, trust God, and give him everything that he's asked you to? That's what this is about. See, because that tension doesn't exist here. Trials and tribulations and struggles, yes. But you know what? I want to be on this side. I want to be on the side where God has got me. Now where I got to rely on a friend to show up and, you know, bring me something or do something for me. And then I'm there waiting, waiting, waiting. How many have been through that? Right? Waiting, 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 and they don't show up. What's our response? I ain't talking to them no more. <laughs> I ain't calling them. I ain't talking to them. Right? But you know what happens? Our tendency is to go back and do it again. And for the life of me, I can't understand that. Maybe it's the good nature in us. Maybe it's the fact that we don't hear God calling us saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? <laughs> Friends are fine, but, but not better than God. Things are fine, but not better than God. These places we visited, man, I walked on a white sandy beach off the Gulf of Mexico. It was Nirvana. I wanted to run around naked, but <laughs> chose not to for the sake of the people. But it was an experience that I wish everybody could see. I watched the moon settle on the ocean. But it's not better than God. Not better than God. Nothing that we can have or do is better than God. And Abraham, there's only going to be a human sacrifice. What he wanted to see was it if Abraham was going to sacrifice it in his heart. If he was going to give his heart up, because let me tell you something, the things that nestle in our hearts is the things we worship. That's why the song we sing and we say, God, forgive us for what we've made it. We, we've, we've made worship about things. We worship the creation rather than the creator. And we overlook that fact that everything is because God has allowed it and we need to trust him above all. Listen, I don't know who am I speaking to. I, I'm trying to help somebody. Me first. There are moments in my life in which I find myself, you know, saying, oh, you know, God is this. And then quickly, I run to his word and his word assures me and reminds me. 
I look at Abraham's story. I look at Jacob's and Isaac and Joseph's. I go through the Bible and I say, wait a minute. If you were there for them, then you got to be here for me. If you were there when they needed you the most, then you got to be here for me. And I stand on those promises and I look at his word and I remind myself, wait a minute, God is not going to lie. God is not going to let me down. God is not going to be absent when I need him the most. He is going to be there so I can jump and he'll catch me. I believe that. What is it that you're holding on to? You're drowning. It's weighing you down. And God is saying, I need you to bring it to the altar. I need you to sacrifice it today. And not just bring it up and put it there. He's saying, in here. This is where your altar is. This is what you're worshiping. I sent a text message to a bunch of men that went away recently. Because you know how it is, you go away and you have this wonderful experience in a conference, you know, or in a seminar, and you, you're so excited and you, you know, you're so pumped up. And, and, and I told them, the minute you get back, you got to hit the ground running because the enemy's going to be all over you. We've experienced some stuff in the last week and a half from coming back that I can't begin to tell you. But I send them a text to remind them of what happened over there. Because we said we would not be the same. That we would come back and allow God to work in our lives. And my words to them were saying, God will not be mocked. And I say the same thing to you today. God will not be mocked. You have to stop this duplicity. This running to what you know and the things you have and then running to God. And then running to the things you, you know, you can rely on, you know, so you think, and then running to God. You know, coming to church on Sunday and hallelujah, and then on Monday, all messed up. Back to business as usual. No real change. When you're confronted with the truth and you can't deny it, you must make an adjustment. And God is saying, what is it that you're holding on to? It could be a habit. Something as simple for me, it was ice cream. I had to deal with, don't start talking about my chocolate. Is that why you're coughing, my chocolate? I'm struggling with that. But I've gotten better. A lot better. Why? Because I'm trusting God. I'm still looking for scientific evidence that chocolate is healthy for you. It's important that we realize that those things that we hold on to, it could be that wonderful person that you recently met. And already they're wonderful and you only know them for two weeks. And you haven't seen the other side. If they're twitching, you got to wonder why. But we get into these patterns and we wind up in similar relationships, in similar places. And we ask ourselves, why does this keep happening to me? It's because you haven't made an adjustment.
You've been confronted with the truth. You've been told that it's no good for you, that you shouldn't be doing it. But because it's all you've known and this invisible God seems distant, you live in this tension. And you hold on to things that although you're drowning and suffering and struggling, you won't let go of. My prayer is that you will get off the fence, let go, and let God be God in your life. I don't know what you're going through today. I pray that God has touched you and has spoken to your life about those things. Through Abraham's life, we see that when he does what he does, God provides. If you read the story, in the thicket, in the bush, there is a lamb that God provides. And that becomes a sacrifice. And they both leave and walk by. But hear the words that God says, Abraham, because you have obeyed, nations will be blessed because of your obedience. I'm real simple. I'm real straightforward. I think that's the reason some people avoid me. If God says it, do it. God says it, do it. Somebody's not listening to me. If God says it, do it. Do it. Not only be hearers of God's word, but also be doers of God's word. God, the blessing is in our obedience. You don't know how many times I sit down with people and I got to listen to their excuse upon excuse upon excuse upon excuse. And I'm saying, just do it. God says to do this. Well, we're really having a hard time. Well, what are you doing about it? You're still clinging to your ways. You think that you can solve it. You think that, you know, by by doing this and doing that, that things are going to get better. No. If you're in a relationship, the only way it's going to get better is if you get closer to God. The closer you get to God, God's going to, if you're not reading, if you're not spending time in the word, then of course, when they walk in the house, you're going to be all over them. It's important that you realize that the tension exists because how much of God is in your life and how much are you clinging and holding on to those things that you shouldn't. I'm done. I think I've said enough. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to worship in response to what we just heard. Now, it's important that you realize that God is saying to you today, what is it you're holding on to that you need to let go of? Okay? In your yellow cards, I'm going to ask you as a response to this sermon, as a response to what God has just spoken to you about, That if you're at a place in your life where you're willing to let go, at the very bottom of your yellow card, write, let go. If you're here for the first time, please fill it out. We we just love to reach out to you. I think we're streamlined on video, uh, on the internet. Um, We have Wednesday service here. We have men's group going on on Thursdays. We have... uh, pantry you know we have a great deal of things here and we encourage you to get involved in the life of this community i look across the room and there are many already that are participating in it i encourage you to be part of what's going on here god has put it upon our pastor's heart to reach out 
to people in recovery, their family, and their friends. It's what we're about, and I've said this plenty of times, this is probably the only place that there's not a section in a corner somewhere where you have to sit. You can sit anywhere here. You can come as you are and allow God to meet you where you are. But if you're willing to respond to today's message by letting go of that thing that's holding you back, that's making you live in this place of tension, right at the very bottom, let go. Let go. We'll call you, we'll talk to you, because I know that letting go sometimes is not easy. And that's what we're here to try to help you with. You know, I've come to a place where I take suggestions and I try to put them into practice. And sometimes it's out of character because it's not who I believe I am, but if I want to be who God wants me to be, i got to be willing to take suggestions. i got to be willing to listen to the people around me that love me, and most importantly, i got to listen to what God says. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward at this time because our whole service from beginning to end is about worship. It does only happen when the music goes on and everyone begins to sing. It's, it's a place that when I get up in the morning, I'm preparing my heart to worship. Because God is great, God is awesome, and God is mighty. So as you prepare right now to continue this worship service, don't let it stop now. Our worship continues through our giving. For those who are around regularly and work in this place, you know what goes on in this place. And let me explain something to you. When you give, you're sowing a seed in the kingdom of God. 